1: You are locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, sad, sad day. Since
0: my baby she went away. You know, we turned the ball over against Philadelphia. The next week, we didn't play very good. Uh, these last two weeks, I felt like the team fought, even though we. We put ourselves in a hole. I uh, thought we, we fought, and uh, but we didn't execute um, well enough to win. Bradford and it's tipped and intercepted, picked off by Preston Smith. At the end of the day, they just made more plays than we did. I mean, you know, we we've been fighting, we've been doing
1: everything we can to win these ballgames, and we just keep coming up on the short end of the state. Play action.
0: Cousins deep drop has time his pass is going to be caught and it's going to be a touchdown Berlin Davis This point is frustrating but, you know, Kind of lost of words um, four in a row, it's, it's
1: tough and uh, We got to find an answer to finish these games and uh,
0: Get back on track and Blair Walsh Misses the extra point So Blair Walsh who has missed seven KICKS THIS YEAR, INCLUDING FOUR EXTRA POINTS, NOW FIVE CONVERSIONS. Um, yeah, OBVIOUSLY IT'S FRUSTRATING. Um, YOU KNOW, I THINK IN ORDER FOR US TO GET BACK ON TRACK, WE JUST HAVE TO GO OUT THERE AND EXECUTE. I THINK, YOU KNOW, THAT'S THE BOTTOM LINE. Um, YOU KNOW, WE WERE ABLE TO DO IT EARLY IN THE YEAR. WE'VE SHOWN FLASHES OF IT. YOU KNOW, IN THE PAST TWO WEEKS, WE'VE JUST GOT TO BE MORE CONSISTENT. Um, YOU KNOW, IN SUSTAINING DRIVES, CONVERTING THROUGH DOWNS, YOU KNOW, PUTTING POINTS. In. Here it is, fourth down, and Bradford goes down. And that'll be it. And it was Preston Smith.
1: Locked on Vikings. Locked on podcast network. I'm Sam Ekstrom, host of the program. I'm joined by Sage Rosenfeld's former NFL quarterback, former Minnesota Viking. The Minnesota Vikings may be experiencing a midseason crisis the wheels appear to be falling off i think after one loss i think there was a lot of acceptance in the fan base people were chalking it up to just a bump in the road they couldn't go 16 and zero. then after the second loss and there was confusion where did the vikings go what happened to the five and zero team then after Detroit, people were thinking, oh, they're on the right track. They were justifying the loss, saying the defense looked pretty good, the offense looked better, we've got Pat Shermer in town. And now, after this loss, what do you think the most appropriate reaction needs to be? Is it time to officially, truly panic? The Vikings are 5-4. and four. They're no longer in first place in the NFC North.
2: Well, I don't know about panic, uh, and, and the reason I say that is they're losing to good football teams. They're not, uh, you know, the Bears' loss, that was the bad loss. But other than that, I mean, this Washington team is a, is a good football team. Uh, I think Detroit's a good football team. Uh, they've got good quarterbacks. They, they're playing well against the Vikings. Uh, And they're not getting blown out. They're losing just by a field goal, a touchdown, something at the end of the game. They're very tight ball games, and they're just not quite getting over the hump. Uh, They're not getting the turnovers that they need. Uh, They're not getting the big plays and offense that they need. Um, Obviously, they're not running the football almost at all, which is really hurting them. So uh, the only reason it's not panic mode is they're generally losing to good football teams, and they're in a division right now which does not have – A team that is dominant, like say the Dallas Cowboys or New England Patriots, Uh, this NFC North is about as average as you're going to get. Might be one of the weakest divisions in football this year. So you know this might be the year that nine and seven, uh, or even eight and uh, 10 and six, probably for sure will win the win this division. So uh, I'm sure it's panic mode all around. But if you really look at from a Uh, You know, you back up and look at the whole thing. Uh, They're playing good football teams, and they're losing to good teams, and they're playing some decent football. It's not embarrassing out there. Uh, They just can't quite get over the hump.
1: Yeah, it's not Chicago and Philadelphia all over again. Those were, were pretty well dominations against the Vikings. The last two have been so close that it gives you pause and at least makes you say, well, the team's playing better, but they're not winning these tight games that they were winning earlier in the season. And at some point, you're going to have to beat good football teams if you want to make the playoffs. And even if the NFC North is the worst division in football, it's shaping up to be a heck of a run to the finish line with Minnesota playing Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, then Minnesota playing Green Bay on Christmas Eve. There are some key divisional matchups coming up in that NFC North. And right now, it's just a war of attrition. I was telling someone this the other day, Look who has the healthiest offensive line in the NFC North. It's not Chicago. It's not Green Bay. Certainly it's not Minnesota. It's the Detroit Lions. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they're playing the best football in the NFC North. While meanwhile, the Vikings just continue to get beaten out in the trenches.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if you look around the entire NFL... Uh, We watched that game. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Vikings fans, if you could stomach it and watch more football yesterday, uh, watch that Dallas game. They have the best offensive line in the NFL, hands down. I think Oakland's got a very good offensive line as well, but this Dallas offensive line, all five guys will probably end up going to the Pro Bowl. They are dominant, and they are winning with a stud for a running back, which the Vikings don't have because of Adrian's injury, but with a rookie quarterback. Uh, and the value of that offensive line, and, and throughout my time playing, whether it's college football or NFL football, uh, offensive line play is so important. If, if your quarterback is a stud and your receivers are fantastic, your running back's a, an all pro, but your offensive line is, is below average, you're not going to get the things done you need to get done. And that's what's really holding back. Uh, This Vikings team right now is that offensive line. I'm not going to say it's coaching. I'm not going to say it's players. I don't know what it is. I'm not an offensive line guru, but they are just not creating big enough holes in the running game, and they're just not uh, allowing quite enough time in the passing game. But uh, uh, that that is the key, I think, to this entire team really is the offensive line. It keeps the defense on the field too long. And uh, and they're just not sustaining drives long enough themselves.
1: From a run game aspect, the offensive line is a total mess. They're on pace for about a 60-year NFL low in yards per carry. But pass protection up until that very final series was very adequate yesterday. Bradford had time to throw. He only had one sack until that final drive. And in two games, they only had three sacks leading up to that final drive. And then Jake Long... Bless his heart, he's now torn two ACLs, torn his biceps, and now torn his Achilles in his career. That's a a horrible break for the 31-year-old. His season's probably done, and he knew it right when you saw him with with his leg pretty much not moving. And It was basically a non-contact injury that he he suffered with that torn Achilles. Now they're going to have to shuffle things around again. Alex Boone, who played a lot of left tackle at Ohio State, had 22 starts in college, maybe the next one to try out that left tackle spot. What do you do at this point sage?
2: Well the offense line is is beat up and uh, that might be might be the end of Jake Long's career. Uh, he has had a lot of injuries he actually has stepped in and played adequately uh, just signed a few weeks ago uh, but uh, it's I'm not sure what to do. I mean at this point when your leading rusher rushes for 16 yards, your second rusher 13 uh, and your third leading rusher is a receiver. Uh, on a sweep for 11, uh, you're not going to get the job done in the NFL. So uh, it seems to me uh, they have to do – yeah, I, I think what happens is, you know, Pat Shermer and Mike Zimmer have to try to figure out how are we going to score points here? How are we going to hold on to the football? Because uh, they can't run the ball. So are they just going to go to exclusively spreading the ball around, you know, going to spread it out in a quick passing game? Uh, and, and you know maybe that's why Stefan Diggs has caught so many balls these last few weeks, but, uh, th- because they can't throw the ball deep down the field, uh, because teams are going to know they can't run the football, so they're going to pass it to where you can't take seven-step drops all the time. So they're going to have to do a ton of quick game and basically just sort of interchange a lot of quick game passes and wide receiver screens and things like that for that running game, because right now that running game is just non-existent. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the biggest concern for me, even more so than the offensive line, is the fact that the defense is giving up so much yardage. They got pushed around yesterday. It was a consistent kind of slow burn for Washington where the Vikings really never slowed them down. The only time they got defensive stops on third down was when Washington was already in field goal range. There were very few drives when Minnesota just put the pedal to the metal, got them three and out, forced a punt. They had two punts yesterday from Tressway. That's not going to get it done. Vikings defense seemed like they were on the field for the majority of the game, even though the time of possession was equal. And then in the second half, you know, they kept them out of the end zone, but four field goal drives, and the Vikings only ran four plays in the third quarter. So it's just the the ability for other teams to get first down upon first down, Vikings not getting off the field, and I think it all kind of traces back to other teams are having a lot of success on first down against the Vikings. They're getting in these second and five and third and two situations. They're getting four yards of carry. It's it's, it's almost foreign to look at because the Vikings are so not used to seeing it, and when other teams do it, it really helps your offense a lot, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, well, they're not the Vikings' defense is not uh, causing any disruption in this Washington in, in other teams' offenses, in particular in Washington's offense. They're not really disrupting the run game. Uh, there's not a lot of big runs, you know, to be had. Not a lot of thirty and forty yarders, but uh teams are generally getting positive yards in the running game and they're not getting the pressure they need in the passing game. So teams are getting in third and reasonable situations, third and two, third and four. Uh, and you're in the and you, you can you can do a lot of things in those situations. You can run, you can throw, you can go quick game, um, you can go play action, you can boot. Uh, but when you get in, you know, third and long situations, you can't really run bootleg situ- you know bootleg p- plays or Or run plays in third and nine and that's what the Vikings were doing were doing during that five game winning streak and and uh, but teams have have pushed them around and uh, they are slowly sort of bleeding them to death as they run the ball down the field as they complete passes you know Kirk Cousins was the perfect quarterback that if you could get pressure on him he makes mistakes and they did not get pressure on him Uh, he's the guy that over the course of Uh, This season, and and even last season, but mostly this season, if you could get pressure up the middle, cause him to run around uh, out of the pocket, uh, cause him to move within the pocket and and throw off balance, he's thrown the ball to the other team way too many times. And uh, they they didn't get uh, those interceptions yesterday. They only had one sack the entire day. Uh, That sort of – we've talked about it many, many times. That business model that they had early in the year, the Mike Zimmer business model of stopping the run and getting pressure on third and long, creating turnovers with that pressure. Uh, that is not happening because you, you are correct. They are not stopping them on first and second down, allowing them to get in either first downs or, or allowing them to get in, in, in third and very reasonable situations, which, you know, sort of their whole their whole business model, their whole game plan of how they attack teams is is all for naught.
1: The only time that Cousins really threw it to a Viking was in that first quarter when he threw it right to Anthony Barr slash Eric Kendricks, and they injure each other in the process. And and without Kendricks in that game, he left with a hip injury. The tight ends go for five catches, 107 yards between Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed. How important is that Mike linebacker against the tight ends?
2: Oh, it's huge. Uh, Anymore, the Mike linebacker versus tight ends. Uh, there's a lot of routes. When, when teams go in a three-by-one set, as in you have one receiver, you usually call it the X receiver, you know, down by himself, uh, say, on the left-hand side, then three receivers to the right. Uh, when you play the coverages that Mike Zimmer plays, and really all, all uh, NFL defensive coordinators play, the tight end uh, on a Mike linebacker in coverage uh, is is sort of the, it's the one-on-one route w- within those matchups. When teams play, you know, two high coverages and they try to stop the outside receivers, it comes down to a, a lot of one-on-one routes with that tight end on the Mike linebacker. So that is a, a key position in, in any defense, but in particular in this Mike Zimmer coach defense.
1: The Vikings defense in this four-game losing streak, the common thread has been injuries at some key positions. You know, they missed Andrew Sendejo for most of the Philadelphia game. Then he wasn't there in the Chicago game. Jaron Ron Curse wasn't great as his replacement. Vikings haven't had Eric Kendricks for the better part of two games. Captain Munderland didn't play. And you said all along, even when the offense was suffering all of this atrophy and they were losing players left and right, as long as the defense stayed intact, you felt like Minnesota was going to have a chance. And now that the defense is starting to lose some of these key pieces Due to these, you know, the inevitable injury bug in the NFL seems like they've lost their swagger or they've lost their edge. And they're not quite playing together with the same cohesiveness that they did in games one through five.
2: Well, and I think they're tired. I think over time, you know, the pressure on the defense to perform week in and week out, uh, you know, it will take its toll. And this offense has been up and down this season. Uh, they actually played much better in this football game, at least from a passing game standpoint. You know, so you can't really blame Sam Bradford uh, for for this loss. But uh, the, you know, over time, I, I feel like the defense being on the field too much uh, because the offense uh, struggling in the, the first half of the year. And a lot of those football games, and you know, a lot of those games that they won, the offense didn't do didn't do much. Uh, but they were still winning football games because they get a turnover or two, or, or have a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, but when the defense, there's that much pressure on the defense, I feel like they have to play harder. They have to play more on the edge. And usually, when you do that, more injuries uh, happen uh, defensively. You know, my guess is that the Dallas Cowboys defense doesn't have a ton of injuries, whether offense is on the field uh, a lot. Uh, and then the offense or that offensive line controls the football game and takes that pressure off the defense. Uh, so. Uh, Yeah, the the entire team really, the injury bug really has hit this team. And, you know, you always look back at the end of the season, and we're doing that right now just past halfway, but you look back at the end of the season, you sort of see what happened. Uh, And sometimes you point to injuries uh, when when your team struggles. Uh, And it's very, very easy uh, through nine games to point to that injury bug, whether it's offensive line, uh, whether it's Adrian Peterson, uh, you know the Teddy Bridgewater, and, and now the the injuries are starting to pile up on defense. This team has been hit with the injury bug. Uh, Eric Sugarman and his train staff have been uh, very very busy this fall. Uh, I'm sure they don't like guys in the train room, and they, that train room has been loaded. They may need to build up a, a separate wing to that mm-hmm. train room because so many guys are, are, have been in there this fall. So you could probably point if you can point to one thing. Uh, it would be the injury bug as to why this Vikings team is, is now five and four.
1: Yeah, the Donut Club is overflowing for sure. It's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Audio Boom. You can also also listen on coldomaha.com. dot com. Plenty of great Vikings content there.
0: the list.
1: Now, I think Sam Bradford has played really well the last two weeks. Yesterday, he's 31 of 40, 307 yards, two TDs, one bad interception, but for the most part, Bradford has been a really adequate passer, and I think he deserves a very small chunk of the blame. Now, that being said, it's easy to nitpick. You just crave the mobility of Teddy Bridgewater at several times during the game. You know, there's always a few pockets where You see the hole. You see the soft part of the field where Bridgewater might step up, be able to take off and gain 12 yards. Bradford just doesn't have that capability. And at the end of the game there, when he takes two sacks, that's exactly when you need a quarterback to use their legs, improvise a little bit, and make a play. Bradford just doesn't have that capability. He's so statuesque inside the pocket, sometimes to a fault. That it can be a bit aggravating at times. It's not part of his game. You can't blame him. He's had two torny CLs. but that's where Teddy comes into handy.
2: You know, you know big time. You and, and I thought, uh, and I think I said this last year, uh, or in the yeah, well, it'd be definitely last year that um, that you know one of Teddy's biggest strengths are not the are they aren't his numbers. He's not. He's never gonna. The guy who puts up 350 yards a game and these just massive numbers—it's not his style. Uh, but what a lot of his value is is getting his team uh, out of bad situations. And there was a lot of times in the past where uh, you know an offensive or a defensive lineman came through, a linebacker came through, and Teddy would make the miss, or he'd get out of the pocket uh, and at least throw the ball away, uh, throw the ball away, maybe get a completion, maybe run. Uh, but it wouldn't be a sack in the pocket. Um, and uh, that's one thing that Bradford just does not do, uh, that, that Teddy uh, did do. And um, there's nothing you could do about it. This is, this is Bradford's uh, abilities. That's all, this is all that he you know, can do. He's not Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, they really do miss Teddy from that scenario. I think he covered up a lot of uh, mistakes along that offensive line in the past. Uh, Now we're seeing a lot of those weaknesses this season.
1: The short yardage woes continue to flummox me. The Vikings yesterday had a first and goal from the one. They didn't get second and goal from the one. Then they had a a third and one later on in the game. And then they did a wacky hard count on the fourth and one. And then they missed on a third and one late. That really cost them. Now there's something I like that I saw in the Patriots game. And granted, the Patriots didn't convert at the end. But I like the way they spread out the field and at least stretch that defense. The Vikings seem to congest the line a lot. They bring in three tight ends or they bring in you know a fullback or maybe a wide receiver in line for, as a blocker. And there's just so many bodies in there. I know that's your classic jumbo package, but it seems like the modern NFL likes to stretch things out. Do the Vikings need to do some more of that?
2: Well, I think they're trying everything right now. I think they're bringing in big bodies. I think they're spreading it out. Um, I mean, either way, you're going to have an extra guy, as they quote, you know, in the box. Uh, in all those scenarios, you know, third and one defenses are not going to play their safeties deep. They're going to have everybody up in there to stop the run uh, and say, hey, if you want to throw the ball, you know, take a chance throwing the ball. It might be the situation where the Vikings say, you know, we're not getting big plays right now at all. Uh, we're going to have to take chances on third-and-one situations and throw the ball deep. It's big risk, uh, but big reward. Um, but they're not really succeeding on these third-and-one situations really anyway. So, uh, the, you know, it, it, it's, it's you cringe at it because this is exactly the opposite thing that Mike, Mike Zimmer football team uh, you would think would do. You know, he is a third-and-one, fourth-and-one, you know, we're a tough football team with a with an offensive line that we're going to hammer it up in there, but they just don't have that type of personnel, whether it's the running back position, I mean, their best running back is more of a scat back in McKinnon, and their offensive line is struggling so bad, they're just, they don't have the talent with all the injuries that they've had up there to control that line of scrimmage, uh, like other teams do, you know, so uh, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do. You can't do much when you don't have a very good offensive line, and it starts exposing all these other
1: weaknesses on your team. Do you want the numbers here on the third and short stage? I've got them, and they're pretty hideous. Let's have it. All right. In situations when they are between third and one and third and four, they've run 38 plays this year. The average conversion in those situations has actually been third and 1.8, so basically a third and two they've been averaging. Uh, they have 16 rushing attempts and 19 yards 1.2 yards per carry in those situations Wow Wow that, that's that, bad that's an ugly ugly trend
2: and you know a lot of times you know throughout the year when when you, when you do get everybody in there you know with a couple tight ends in the game and and in those situations, a lot of times you'll have at least one of those runs pop for a big one because the defense is all up in in there. They're all up in there tight. You know, the safeties are up in there too, and you make one guy miss in the hole, uh, and there's nobody there. Um, And you have one of those, you know, one out of, you know, 20 or 30 of those runs, it seems like they usually pop uh, at some point in the year, and the Vikings are getting, you know, no push uh, and no, obviously, no run. I mean, it seems like even when they get a first down, they're getting it by a foot
1: or two. Well, Elliott, yesterday in in the Pittsburgh game, it was third down with what 15 seconds to go. Elliott breaks through, nobody in the secondary, touchdown. That, That's that, exactly
2: that, the case. He had a couple of those in that football game. You know, in those third and one situations, when you when you get everybody uh, covered up as an offense and you get some push with the offensive line, uh, if the you know the one safety misses, boom, there is nobody there, and that happened I think twice to Zeke Elliott yesterday.
1: Time for our second guess. Of the game, this is the point where we play Monday morning quarterback. We sit in our armchairs and we second guess decisions. So, I think there are fewer regrets from this game compared to Detroit a week ago. If I had to do one thing over again, I think I would save a timeout for that final drive. The Vikings chose to use all their timeouts defensively when Washington had the football, but when you're going down toward the goal line, seconds remaining. You want to have timeouts in your back pocket. Look how they came in handy for the Vikings at the end of the first half, but they didn't have that luxury in the second half. then they got a sack there on Bradford, 15, 20 seconds go off the clock. They're flustered. Then they get a holding call and it all goes uh, into the abyss from there. I think a timeout would have been really handy after that sack to get refocused. Granted hindsight's always 2020. You're trying to save the time, but if I had to do it over again, I'd probably save one timeout.
2: Uh, I think at this point, uh, with, with what we've talked about today, I think uh, I'm going to second-guess my man Rick Spielman on this one. Uh, and this isn't for this game. This is for the last couple seasons. They have not hit, whether it's free agency or, offensive, or, or, or the draft, uh, the offensive line position. They have spent money a lot of different ways, but that offensive line is, is the weakness of this football team. And, uh, and it's, I, you know, whether it's in the personnel and the whole thing, you know, letting go John Sullivan, uh, obviously Phil L- Lodeholt retired. Uh, there is a lot of things that happened that uh, this offensive line is, uh, very, very poor. And, uh, to me, you can't really blame the guys who are out there. They're doing their best. Uh, I sort of blame the guys who put those players out there. Uh, and that, that to me rests on the general manager, my man, Rick Spielman.
1: Speaking of Sullivan, I don't think he played yesterday. Did he, from what I've heard, he's, he's only been in in unbalanced line situations for Washington, but he was in uniform, I think.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he was dressed and, and he is the, that sort of, uh, you know, fourth interior offensive lineman, you know, he can play guard. Uh, he's obviously more of a center. That's we've always been his whole career, but he is that fourth offensive lineman, uh, interior offensive lineman that comes in and in certain situations. And I don't think he played much in that ball game, but, uh, uh, he's the guy that's sort of the first one, and if there's an injury amongst the center or or the guards.
1: Sage, you'll be on nine to noon with Paul Allen coming up in a little bit here this morning. Make sure everybody go podcast that or listen to it live at about eleven o'clock. His name's Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels18 on Twitter. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for listening to the show. Leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes, subscribe, all that jazz. We'll be back with you on Wednesday with Sage. And I'll be here tomorrow with some further analysis of the Vikings' fourth consecutive loss. They're 5-4. The losing streak continues. Arizona on Sunday at home as they try to snap it. Sage, have a good Monday. To you as well. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network. Have a good day.
2: I just found it out.
0: the list.